We're always grateful to be here, to have opportunity to express our praise to God, to honor Jesus Christ, and to read and study the written word given by the Holy Spirit. Tonight, 2 Timothy 4, verses 9 through 18. 2 Timothy 4, 9 through 18. It is always of some dramatic interest to hear from someone who is approaching death. We pay attention. Their words take on great meaning for the living. As death approaches, thoughts are focused on memories, present needs, spiritual realities, especially as a faithful Christian approaches death and speaks, we pay attention. I'm going to read this and we'll talk about it and what we will learn from this will be obvious as we navigate the text in 2 Timothy 4, 9 through 18. Paul to Timothy, do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed, and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into His heavenly kingdom. To Him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Your first impression is that this is heartfelt, authentic, and touching for us to read. And you will notice as you read this, there is a stunning sense of urgency. So as we go through the passage, look for that sense of urgency from the heart of the Apostle Paul to the young gospel preacher, Timothy. I want to begin by pointing out three very important words that occur early in this passage and that actually occur later in 2 Timothy 4 down at verse 21. Three extremely simple words that convey an immediate lesson to us. Paul said in his final words, Do your best. Do your best. 
If you have the King James, do thy diligence. If you have the New American Standard, make every effort. If you have the New King James, be diligent. If you have the English Standard Version that I read from, or the New International Version, do your best. Can you imagine this? Timothy gets the letter. His mentor, his spiritual father says, Timothy, do your best to come to me soon. And Timothy reads through the letter quickly and he says to himself, well, if I have time, I'll get around to that. No. Knowing Paul as we do and knowing Timothy as we do, that isn't the way that narrative plays out in our minds when we read it. Instead, we think of Timothy's response as urgent, active, passionate. He takes this seriously. And his resolution is, yes, I will do my best to go see Paul. Here's what I want to say. When it comes to those things having to do with the Lord, the Lord's work, the Lord's faithful servants, we should always want to do our best. Excellence, to the full extent of our capacity, should be the standard we apply to everything we're able to do concerning the Lord's work and His faithful people. Diligence. Make every effort. Now at the other end of that, I'm going to use a crude expression. Sloppy work. In all that we do pertaining to the Lord's work in preaching and teaching and worship and our work together as a local church and our response to the needs of one another, we cannot do sloppy work. We cannot have the attitude of just getting by. God and His work and His united people, be they many or few, deserve more than common worldly mediocrity. Please think of who God is, everything about Him, everything God calls us to do. Can we settle for just good enough? Or this will do? Our attitude ought to be we will make every effort. We will do our diligence. We will do our very best. It is all packaged in that well-known Old Testament statement in Ecclesiastes, fear God and keep His commandments. Excellence is in that. Doing your best. When Darrell does the reading on Sunday evenings, believe it or not, we do not coordinate, but we're using the same book. So often it will coincide the people of Malachi's time brought to God the blind, injured, and diseased animals as an offering. And as we play that video or that audio out in our minds, we might hear something like, well, these animals have no value to me. Why not just take them to the Lord's altar? 
And the point made by the prophet Malachi early, in fact in chapter 1, is that God deserves our best, our reverence to the full extent. And when people come here and see us and hear us and become acquainted with what we do, they ought to see that we are serious about serving God. We're going to do our best with excellence. If there are 10 people here or 110 people here, we're going to give our best. We're going to do everything we can to meet the requirements of the Lord. And it's all captured by that little phrase that Paul had in his heart and on his lips just before he died. Do your best. Not just get by, but do your best. It speaks of commitment and motive. And it speaks of our reverence for God. Now, opposite that, there is Demas. For Demas, in love with this present world, deserted me. Let's stop and think about what this means. And lock into that phrase for a moment, this present world. Obviously, we live in this present world. We are inhabitants of this earth. We live here and we see what happens here. The cultural influences, the temptations that confront us, the trends that disturb us, the habits that we may pick up. Our existence now is here in this present world. Now what happened to Demas was he saw what we saw, but he became a part of it. In fact, it says he fell in love with this present world. He was attracted to the here and the now of earthly existence. He wanted what he saw and what he heard. And he wanted that in his life, even though it meant deserting God and his servants. He left God for this world. It should be noted, when we do that, we not only leave God, we leave his people. The present world becomes more important than God and God's people and God's work. It offends God when we leave him for the world. It also hurts God's people and the cause. So Paul preparing to leave this present world, calls upon Timothy to do his best while acknowledging that some do not do their best. Demas has disappointed the apostle in his romance with the present world. Let's dig a little deeper into it. Another part of this is Luke and Mark were useful Apparently, they were doing their best. In Paul's life and work, he found Luke and Mark to be good, helpful companions. King James Version, Mark is profitable. New International Version, he is helpful. Now, there's history here. There's history here. I'm going to go back to the book of Acts in chapter 15. And we're going to plug history into this. Paul and John Mark had not always enjoyed a cordial relationship. 
In Acts 15, near the end of that chapter, Paul and Barnabas are beginning a trip, and Acts 15.37 says, Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. I'm continuing the reading in Acts 15 at verse 38. Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. I'm sure you know that sometimes conflict or disagreement like this becomes permanent. People never speak to each other again. Reconciliation never reaches the table, not even entering the door of the room for discussion. But with Christians, as illustrated by Paul and Barnabas and Mark, isn't it apparent it all got cleared up? It all got cleared up. Now Paul in his final hours says emphatically, Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. At one time Paul didn't think him that useful, but these men, the three, Barnabas and Mark and Paul, somehow with Christ-like attitudes, got it all worked out. What a pleasant part of an otherwise sad narrative. And what an example of the value of followers of Christ reconciling, being united, forgetting what is behind, and pressing on to what is ahead. I want us to observe Paul, though the time of his departure had come, not only said, do your best, and not only identified Demas as not doing his best, and Luke and Mark as doing their best and being useful, Paul has not forgotten the critical warnings to be issued to faithful people. I'm at verses 14 and 15. 14 and 15. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. Isn't it interesting? Paul, Barnabas, and John Mark got everything settled and resumed a good working relationship, but this Alexander the coppersmith was apparently not inclined to change and repent and reconcile with either the Lord or the Lord's people, or his message. He harmed Paul, and Paul believed that should be known. Beware of him, he strongly opposed our message. There might be some inclination to think that when you're approaching death and you're saying words that are so solemn, you should avoid warnings because warnings seem to carry a connotation of negativity. Legitimate warnings in the Bible are positive because they're designed to keep you from the negative. 
the sin, the false teaching, the opposition. So Paul does not hesitate in these very solemn words to plug in this warning, beware of him, he strongly opposed our message. Paul did that for the good of Timothy and those Timothy would serve. One more thing. Observe how Paul's loneliness was addressed by the Lord in verses 16 to 18. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. <clears throat> Don't stop there. Keep reading. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I know that it may sound like a cliche or a phrase that has become commonplace, but for the Lord's people, this is real. The Lord stood by me. Demas went off into the world Alexander the coppersmith harmed Paul and opposed the message at Paul's first defense. No one came to stand by him, but you need to keep reading. Paul was not utterly deserted. The Lord was there with him. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews in chapter 13 for just a moment. Hebrews chapter 13. This promise of divine presence must never be for us a cliché. A motto, something you put on your refrigerator. God is with His faithful people. As we do His will, He approves of us. What we do that is righteous glorifies Him, and He is there to strengthen us as we pray to Him. So in Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Friends may not stick with you. Depends upon their frame of mind, their attitude, and their choices. Friends may not stick with you. Brethren may not act as they ought to act. And we ought to know that because there are times when we didn't act as we should have acted. There will be people like Demas who disappoint us and like Alexander the coppersmith who oppose us. But the Lord is with His People. One translation says in the Hebrews text, In no way will I abandon you nor ever forsake you. Trust in God and let that trust generate continued daily obedience no matter what, knowing that your future welfare lies in the hands of the Creator who said, I will not abandon you. These are thoughts coming from attitudes of heart in the Apostle Paul, 
at the time of his departure. He said this, and then I'll go to my takeaways. Do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. <clears throat> when you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas. Also the books and above all the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Quickly, three takeaways. First, now is the time to get ready for your final departure. Now's the time for me to get ready for mine. There is a parable of Jesus about late entry into the kingdom over in Matthew. The 11th hour workers in the vineyard. You may remember that. The 11th hour workers in the vineyard paid the same as the others. And so, yes, we've all known people to make their way into fellowship with God, maybe in their 70s or their 80s. And we know that the gospel goes out to people of all ages. And one can respond late in life and be saved. But all of that having been said, we don't encourage waiting. But there is the acceptance of 11th hour converts who are sincere in their obedience to the gospel. Better is honor the Creator in the days of your youth, giving your life to the Lord. Like these three young men who are visiting tonight, who I know are involved in the Lord's work. And one benefit of long-time service to the Lord is you're preparing well for those final solemn words. You can speak of it with confidence and joy. You can anticipate the great adventure all of your life and have the kind of calm confidence displayed by Paul in these verses. Now's the time to get ready for your words. Do your best. Can I talk about that again? You know, just as a whole life policy, this is good. Do your best at every endeavor that you undertake. In the most generic sense, this is valuable. In one of John Maxwell's books, he said... 
Do your best when you take the garbage out. Do your best when you mop the floor. It is a good, valuable policy of maturity for all of your life. But specifically, at the highest level, in regard to God, His work, and His people. Do your best. That takes on an elevated status when you talk about the Lord's work. Just getting by with minimal effort, treating the Lord's work almost as second-hand or trivial or undeserving is more than just unwise. It is sinful. I must give the Lord my best. Excellence must come easy for us as we do those things God has called us to do. And then... We need to live every day in full appreciation for the Lord's provision of strength. He stands by us. When I became a Christian in 1960 and then started preaching in 1970, I knew the Lord was with me. I was familiar with the passage in Hebrews. I grew up with it. But it has a level of intensity in my mind now that it didn't have when I was 21. See, it grows in you. Its reality is closer to you every day. And near the end, if you have the privilege to think and speak and share with loved ones, you'll praise God with even greater joy than when you first came to him. Here's the promise of the passage I want to conclude with in verse 18. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and listen to this. Bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. That's what gave Paul this sober perspective as he approached his final hours. That's why he knew and we can know it's all going to be okay. Being brought safely into the heavenly kingdom. So I commend to you the teaching given by God through Paul to Timothy for us. And I invite anyone who needs to respond to do so now while we stand together to sing. Hear us, we